Welcome to the FedHeads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the FedHeads each week as Robert Shea and a celebrity guest host talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Hello, everyone. I'm Robert Shea, and welcome to this latest episode of FedHeads. And as you know, we no longer are joined by Francis Rose, but we have the pleasure of being joined by my friend Charles Cooper, Managing Director at The Signal Group, who fans of FedHeads will know from a previous episode. Charles, thanks for joining. Thank you. Really excited to be here. You are uh, one of the most knowledgeable people about Washington, D.C., having worked on the Hill and and now advising clients on how to navigate the swamp. One of the things I look forward to, I know you're going to call me a nerd, is the biennial GAO high-risk list. This is a list of areas at greatest susceptibility to waste, fraud, abuse, mismanagement. And it, it really is the big challenges that the government has faced, the big management challenges it's going to face over time. Tell me your exposure to this list and GAO during your time in Congress and since. Yeah, you know, I'm really excited about this conversation because during my tenure on Capitol Hill, I would also wait for the high-risk list to come out and identify uh, areas that we could help and look into and monitor progress on. So I'm extremely excited about this uh, program and we spent a lot of time on Capitol Hill thinking through how to make more efficiencies and and thinking through programmatic changes that would be helpful. And so we relied on the high-risk list all the time. That's and great. so uh, really excited about it. Well, we're joined today by someone who's got among the broadest portfolios at GAO, Michelle Sager, the Managing Director of Strategic Issues. Well, welcome, Michelle. Thank you. It's great to be here. And I have to say, this is the first time I can officially claim myself as a Fed head. So it's it's great to be part of this. And I'm, it's music to my ears to hear about your interest in the high risk list. She's going to want a Fed head sticker. Let's write that down. <laughs> um, y'all recently published a report, High Risk Series, Key Practices to Successfully Address High Risk Areas and Remove Them from the List. So tell us a little bit about the list and why people need a roadmap for how to get off it. Definitely. So as you mentioned, this is something that GAO has issued for many years. It actually started way back in 1990. So GAO's high-risk list has existed for more than a couple of decades, and it has evolved over time. We issue a high-risk list at the beginning of every Congress, so every two years. We provide an update on the areas that are already on the list and talk about where they have or have not shown progress, as well as talk about any new areas that might be added and any areas that might be removed. Typically, the Comptroller General is also asked to testify on GAO's high-risk list. And one of the questions that often comes up at congressional hearings is, do any areas ever come off the list? And there's almost a kind of myth that once an area is added to the list, to the list, it stays there in perpetuity. And so we heeded that line of questioning over many years. And one of the things that we are doing in this report that was issued in March 
is providing kind of a roadmap for agency leaders looking at what it takes to show progress or be removed from the list and then providing a number of illustrative examples that show how those areas have evolved over time, areas that have stayed on the list but have shown progress as well as areas that have been removed from the list. So it's a little bit of myth busting in addition to the list that was issued in 2021 and then will be issued again next year at the beginning of the new Congress in 2023. Well, the report's great and it should be mandatory reading for anybody interested in the federal government. Tell, tell us a little bit about what metrics you all are looking at when you're putting programs on the list and maybe what metrics you're looking at when you're taking them off the list. It's a combination of qualitative and quantitative factors that uh, contribute to this assessment of what goes on the list. And it's really an ongoing process so that as GAO is continuing its work across the government, looking at everything that the federal dollar touches, we're always looking at both the areas that are already on the list, but also thinking about whether areas get at what Robert mentioned at the beginning, whether they're at uh, risk of fraud, waste, abuse, or mismanagement, are really in need of fundamental transformation. In addition to that, areas that go on the list have to meet kind of a threshold of representing a financial risk or a cost of a billion dollars or more. So that's at a very high level some of the considerations involved. And so, Michelle, you know, walk through us, if you will, some of the commitments programs have to make to come off. I, I note in your report, my favorite leadership commitment, uh, if top political or even career leadership are committed to making progress, that seems to make a big difference. Tell me about that, where you see that, and what other factors really drive progress here. Definitely. And so as we're thinking about all of these uh, factors going into the assessment, is uh, this area a risk of public health or safety or service delivery, national security, national defense, economic growth, privacy, citizens' rights, all of those things that go into that quantitative and qualitative calculation. We're primarily looking at five key things that make contribute to that assessment of whether an area A goes on the list and then once it's on the list, whether it's showing progress or potentially could be removed. And so I'll just run through the five and then we can dive a little bit deeper into what they entail. Those five areas are leadership commitment, capacity, action plan, monitoring, and demonstrate it progress. And so leadership commitment, you mentioned this a little bit, that can be, uh, certainly it requires federal agencies action, but in addition to that, often there is some legislative action that is required. And it could be legislative action, sometimes it's also congressional attention that could be in the form of congressional hearings that really shine a spotlight on the area. And in addition to that, OMB engagement is often critical to have that center of government either guidance or engagement to pull agencies together. So leadership commitment can play out in all of those ways. And then for capacity, that includes definitely the funding, but also having the skilled staff that are in place and sometimes also 
having internal controls that are in place, having the technology to take action, and then just whatever the management and organization infrastructure is that would define capacity in that particular case. Um, action plan, for the most part, I think is um, pretty clear, but it really gets at what is the root cause and then what are some solutions that can be put into place for an agency or agencies to show action. And then monitoring is once that plan is in place, making sure that the agency leaders are tracking the actions that happen and then independently validating uh, the effectiveness of those actions and whether or not they're sustainable over time. And then finally, we assess whether there is demonstrated progress. Are those corrective measures actually showing some action or could the high-risk area be resolved? You mentioned Congress and OMB and others being involved. I'm curious, between the time when you issue the report and the remainder of the year, how much sort of interaction is there between GAO and other agencies and the programs themselves that are on the list to help sort of coach and guide and provide insight as to how to uh, manage the process through the high-risk analysis? That is a really important question. And one of the things that we have learned over time is that that engagement is critical to helping progress happen, helping sustain that progress, and then eventually having some areas removed from the list. And so in terms of what that looks like, that certainly begins when the GAO high-risk list is updated every two years. And then we refer to something called tripartite meetings, which are where the very high-level agency officials that are responsible for an area on the list, and that could be a single agency or it could be multiple agencies for something such as drug misuse, for example, that involves many agencies across the federal government. Uh, so those OMB leaders, the agency leaders, and GAO come together and talk about why is this area on the list? What would it take for agencies to come together and demonstrate that progress? What actions are planned? And then we also work with Congress as they're planning their hearing schedule, for example, as they're thinking about their uh, appropriation cycle and talking to agencies about their budget request. All of those interactions are critical to showing progress and to helping agency leaders come together. And so one of the things that our current Comptroller General has been very intentional in doing as new cabinet secretaries were being established in their positions is meeting with them and talking about the areas that are under their purview that are on the high risk list and really shining a light on those areas and using this as an opportunity to use the high risk list as a catalyst for action. So can you give us a heads up on, on what's coming off and uh, what's going to be added? The next list. I mean, nobody listens to this, Michelle, so you can go ahead and share with us. I'll have to keep you in suspense. I appreciate the question. Uh, but part of the reason why I'll have to keep you in suspense is because this is a, an ongoing and evolving process. We are engaging with agency leaders throughout the year on the actions they're taking to follow up on GAO recommendations and to respond to those recommendations. And so we're tracking that 
over time all the time, but then we won't be making our final assessment until early next year as the new Congress convenes and we finalize the high-risk report for 2023. But you've added, you've added some big items over time as they uh, emerged as major policies, policy issues, responding to a pandemic, for instance, climate change. Um, talk about the process for, you know, arriving at the list. What, what does it take to add one to the list? Especially, you do, I think, you can tell me, focus attention. You can't put everything on the list. So how do you really wean it down to the precious, most important, genuine high-risk issues? Definitely. And perhaps an example might help kind of illustrate how that works. Uh, the most recent area added to the high-risk list was added earlier this year, and that area is uh, Health and Human Services, Department of Health and Human Services leadership and coordination of public health and emergencies. The COVID-19 pandemic, of course, that we're all continuing to live through is the most recent example. But over time, there have been extreme weather events such as hurricanes, other infectious disease outbreaks such as Zika and Ebola. Um, that have been top of mind in terms of public health emergencies. So GAO has been reporting on HHS leadership and coordination of the responses to those emergencies, as well as preparedness for those emergencies. And it's something that we have been monitoring for many years. But during the pandemic, it really became quite apparent that this was important to designate leadership and coordination of public health emergencies as a high-risk issue. And the thinking there is to help ensure that there is this sustained focus on this area and that it will then have attention both from the executive branch but also from Congress to make sure that the whole nation can be adequately prepared for future emergencies. So it's an ongoing process. It's um, not the kind of thing where we sit down once a year or once every two years and make a decision. But as GAO is looking at areas across the entire federal government, we're constantly assessing agencies' actions on prior recommendations as well as emerging issues. I'm curious, Michelle, you know, this is a town that has a lot of political turnover. Uh, very often both on Capitol Hill and within the administration and all, all the agencies. Uh, I was curious, does that make a difference in how agencies uh, are sort of approaching these programs on the high-risk list? If there's constantly turnover, are they often starting from scratch when there's a new administration or, or new leadership within those agencies? That's an interesting question, and definitely that kind of uh, leadership churn can have an effect, but it can also work to the advantage of providing a bit of a roadmap for agency leaders as they come into their positions and they're eager to show that they're taking action and that they have a plan. This, in many cases, can provide that roadmap of these are really critical issues and that if you take action on these issues, it can have incredible public benefits, both financial and non-financial benefits. And so although that churn definitely does make a difference, it can also serve to the advantage of those political appointees in that uh, the high risk list itself provides a roadmap. And then in terms of sustaining focus as that churn occurs, the way that GAO conducts its work means that any recommendations that are open are something that we're working with agency officials, uh, career agency officials on 
at least once a year, we're looking at those open recommendations and finding out what actions the agency is taking in response to those recommendations. Michelle, you've given us unbelievable insight into this really important contribution to the oversight conversation. We've got time for one more question. Do you want to share what else your team at Strategic Issues is working on, what the Congress and the American people can look forward to from your shop? Definitely. That's a a really open-ended question there, Robert. (laughs) I could go on for quite a while, but I'll try and restrain myself. So strategic issues is not an intuitive term, but it covers a lot of the cross-cutting, really critical issues in addition to high risk. And those are some of the uh, most challenging issues facing the nation. In addition to the high-risk list, our team also coordinates the report that GAO also issues on duplication, overlap, and fragmentation. Uh, We also look at the nation's fiscal health and other budget issues, intergovernmental issues, census, regulatory, tax issues, and human capital issues. Uh, Many of those uh, that I just mentioned are on the high risk list, and and that's a lot. Uh, But I definitely would encourage any listeners to subscribe to GAO's updates on gao.gov. And if you do that, you can see all the reports that are coming out, as well as uh, we publish something called a watch blog, which is our blog where we sometimes synthesize a lot of those issues. Fantastic. Thanks for your service, for your contributions. We'll look forward to more of those products coming out. Um, It's great to talk with you. This has been fascinating. Thank you so much, Michelle. I look forward to keeping up with the high risk list. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate this chance to talk about GAO's work. And now I can officially declare myself a FedHead, I guess. Awesome. One more. Thanks for listening to the FedHeads, brought to you by Grant Thornton Public Sector. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes.